what is man that thou art mindful of him? Exodus, the second chapter, please. Let me just wait, mention, I don't know if you were told this on Friday. Some of you may not be aware of what had happened, but also let's pray for uh, uh, Dan Pine. His mother passed away. Uh, I believe he'll be here in the, in the second service, but let's keep him in our prayers. She just passed away yesterday. She was 93 years old. He called me this morning, and uh, I actually found out driving up the Highway 5, somebody called me on my cell and told me. But, uh, uh, you know, she was 93 years old, yet, you know, she was, uh, he was in a sense aware of, you know, it's coming, you know, that, you know, she'd go on. But uh, uh, still, when something like this happens, you're, you're still caught off guard and, and, you, and you, know, you, need with, you need to deal with it. And it's not easy. So let's pray for him. Let's uphold him in our prayers and uh, that God would strengthen him, empower him, and also use him. That's what he called for, that God would use him as well uh, uh, to minister to his family. And she only had two offspring, and, and, uh, but let's pray for them as well. Uh, also, when I was down in Los Angeles, Pastor Sonny and Julie actually told us this because they found out before we did, but uh, Daryl's baby, did you hear about that? Okay, uh, how many weren't, weren't told of, okay, Daryl's baby, they said, had been born with Down syndrome. And that was like, we were like, wow. And what happened is we all began to pray. They called Sonny and Julie first. And though they're pastors, I mean, they're, they're pastors from our church. I'm their pastor, but they call Sunday and Julie first. That was great. And so everybody, that was, in other words, it was good that they called them first because everybody started to find out, not just us, not just our region, not just our church, but a lot of people started to find out that the baby had been born and diagnosed with Down syndrome. So everybody began to pray. And we started to pray right away. And uh, what happened is Daryl went and got the baby and he said, wow, I don't know about this. He went and he took the baby out of the hospital, took it to another hospital and had it diagnosed. And that uh, doctor and that hospital said, no, it's not a Down syndrome baby. It's fine. It's healthy. It's going to be okay. Hallelujah. Wow. That's, that's, that's powerful. Powerful. Uh, that prayer is able to happen in, in, in our behalf. So thank God we're a praying church, a praying fellowship, actually. And, and, and thank God for that. Exodus, the second chapter now. Let's get into God's word, beginning in verse just 11 and 12. Verse 11 and 12. Do you have it? One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Father, I pray that uh, we would be able to once again, gleaned from your word and as we contrast the life of Christ and the life of Moses, and then we include ours. Lord, I already can sense and know what you intend to do, knowing already what the sermon is all about, how it's already impacted my life as of late, Lord God. And I pray that it would serve its purpose to impact every individual here. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Everybody together said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Real simple sermon here today, but it should impact your life because it's already impacted my life as I was praying. Uh, that God can use anybody. If he can use a donkey, he can use hee-haw. He can use you and I, all right? Now, we're going to be contrasting and looking here at the life of Moses and, and also of Christ. That's how we're going to end it. Uh, the title of my sermon, I put it out there in the, in the uh, marquee, says, The Poses of Moses. Just to be able to rhyme, okay, and make it a, a nice title. The poses or, you know, we're going to look at three poses or three mistakes in the life of this man of God. Because 
both the New and the Old Testament, they speak very, very highly of Moses. You get in the book of Hebrews, even the book of Revelations speaks highly of Moses. See, Moses, by and large, holds a position second to none within, you know, uh, within history. Yet this man who holds honorable mention in both Old and New Testament committed a number of mistakes. And we're going to look at three here today. Okay? These mistakes, and then we're going to look at the way Jesus handled these mistakes that Moses made. Mistake number one is found in Exodus 2, 11, and 12. That's the first mistake that we're going to be dealing with, okay? This is the mistake of rushing into service, working for God before time. Because that's what he did here. Bible says he went out and he, he sensed the call of God upon his life. When you're called of God, you can tell. There's just something <clears throat> inside of you that you know God's called you. I knew that I was called since I was a kid. And I belonged to the Methodist church and I went wayward, not in Hayward, but in Santa Paula. Some of you, many of you went wayward in Hayward. Uh, but I happened to be down where I was at this past week and I think Walter and Donna with me and little Ricky, they were, they were tripping out. They had to be tripping out on all the stuff that happened with me. Uh, 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 you know, uh, talking about my past. I ended up... <laughs> Uh, 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 we were staying in a pretty nice place there and by the beach and then we check out and we said, I ah, forget about it. I'm going to go stay with my mother and, and uh, I get to my mother's house and everybody's there and uh, just one bedroom and she had all kinds of visitors, uh, her own family. So I said, ah, I'm going to go stay with my friend who I had took into church that night and he's recently converted and there I found myself sleeping on the floor with cat all over my face. You know, <laughs> you know that I thought I was dreaming that cat. I thought I was, but, and, and, and I went into a deep sleep and I said, no, I got to get out of this. I don't think this is a dream. You know, and so, uh, uh, but we talked a lot, a lot, more so this time than I have before, about a lot of the things that, that had happened in, in, in my life prior to, to conversion. And, uh, you know, it's something else that God has able to do. But yet even then, I knew that God had called me, uh, you know, he's had his hand upon me. And when I came to Victory Outreach, I mean, I, I sensed it, I understood that, and I gave my life to Christ. I said, man, this is where it's at. I went full circle, and I came back to the Lord, you know, from a child going wayward, and then coming back to God. So I know that some of you sense that God has called your life as well. You can sense that, that urgency. They're wanting to live for God and, and work for God. That's the way it was with Moses. But what happened in his first mistake is that he got ahead of God. And that can happen to you and I. See, these mistakes that we're going to cover here today are very, very human. They're very, very humanistically prone. We're able to fall into these mistakes very easily, each and every one of us. With Moses, once he grew up, the Bible says, he somehow... Okay, knew that he was called to live for the Lord. He probably even felt that his call was, was a heavy one. And that somehow he would assist, you know, uh, his people, the Jews, in escaping from under the bondage of Pharaoh. He could sense that. He said, I wasn't trained in Pharaoh's court for nothing. He said, I got a lot of stuff coming here. He said, in other words, he could sense a heavy call upon his life. Moses felt and believed that through him his people perhaps would be delivered. But... He made the mistake of trying to enter into that work before he was called to it or before he was, listen to this word, qualified for it. Okay, he knew he was called, but he entered too soon prior to his being qualified for that work. The Bible says in Song of Solomon 8.4, arouse not love before it's time. What that means is talking to a girl, is talking to a guy. In other words, don't lose your virginity. That's really what it's talking about. Before it's time. Be cool, be careful, hold on. You know, things could happen. You get out of line, the line's going to be a ball. Just telling you, that's the way it is. That line goes from to a ball. And then all of a sudden, you got bread in the basket. Uh, but that's what it's talking about. Bible covers sex. 
It does? Oh, sure it does. Man, it's quite a subject. Uh, I mean, how else do you think we got here? There was only one immaculate conception. Uh, can't happen no more. Uh, so it's got to be dealt with. And the Bible says, don't arouse love before it's time because it can get out of hand. Then you've got to pay for those mistakes. Uh, you've got to be very careful. Uh, in other words, it's talking about everything has its timing. Uh, Ecclesiastes says, end to every day there is a season. Every time there's a season. Okay, and, and so you've got to be very precautious. With Moses, okay, Bible says, while he was yet young, in other words, he was full of zeal. He had a lot of enthusiasm. So he feels this call of God, and especially when you're a young buck in the Lord, and you get saved and touched, you want to do something for God, I mean, you'll do all kinds of stuff. Remember Paul? We've covered him. Remember what they had to do to him? Since he was so zealous for the Lord and so enthusiastic, they had to lower him in a basket off from Damascus and send him back to Tarsus. Because he was getting the church in trouble. The Bible says, when they got rid of Paul, it says there, you read in the book of Acts, it says, and the church of God had rest. <laughs> Once they got rid of Paul. Uh, same, thank God. Uh, because you can get ahead of God. And I've told people before, when you get ahead of God, you don't have eyes back here. At least when you get behind God a little bit, then you can see, all right, God, you know. So you've got to be very, very careful. Uh, see, so many new believers and also new converts, they're bound to make that, that very same mistake. So many Christians, when they see the heavy needs all around them, often they have a tendency to then, you know, uh, throw caution to the wind. So they rush into service before they're sure that they are called and equipped and qualified for that work. Ah, oh, but look at the need in Manila. I mean, next Sunday night, Pastor Richard's going to be here. He's going to tell you about that. He's going to be, oh, I got to go to Manila. Ah, hi, hi, hi. But okay, maybe you're calling, great. But it's all God's timing. It has to be in God's timing, not our own. See, many young people, or new converts as well, uh, has gone and, and seen the overwhelming need before them, and, and, and they move too fast. And look at this need. Forgetting that time spent in preparation is not time wasted, but it's necessary time. Did you hear what I said? It's necessary. That's why Victor, we're raising the standard. We got our UTC centers now in order to go prepare our children, our, our young people. Uh, that's why we're getting the, the center in Manila for the same very purpose. And we want to let that evolve and grow and become someday probably a college uh, for leadership and ministry. Preparation will cause less perspiration later. Please understand what I said that. Preparation will cause less perspiration later on because you know what to do when i was involved in, in ministry down with pastor sunny people you say oh that guy but I, I mean i was in ministry but i was i was there getting prepared so when i came to hayward where do you think i learned the saying that i often say the world has plenty of doctors and lawyers and attorneys and nurses but it needs more ministers the reason i learned that is because when i came to minister i said man you know Decoro needs a minister. A Street needs a minister. Ah, East Oakland needs a minister. I mean, they need ministers over here. They got, you know, they got, they got plenty of doctors. So they need a lot of doctors too. <laughs> Especially when Decoro and A Street used to get together. You know, they need some doctors. Ah, but better than doctors is ministers because we can quell all that stuff and we can, we can try and talk sense to the people. See, John the Baptist... He was about 30 years of, old, age, of age when he got involved in ministry. Jesus was about the same age as well. 
uh, about 30 years old when they became involved in ministry. See, it is a great mistake for us to go before we're set. It is a great mistake for us to, to, to go before we're qualified. Moses ended up having to run to the wilderness. And there he was able to learn more regarding ministry and more regarding the call of God and working for the things of God. But he, he takes off to the wilderness, the Bible says, which brings me to his second mistake. Okay? There in the wilderness is where we encounter the second mistake of Moses. Look at Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 now. Verse 11. Do you have it? But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord will not appear to you? Verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, oh Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am so speech and tongue. Ah, He's a stutter. Moses is a stutter. Uh, he's a man. In other words, all three of those verses say, and Moses said to the Lord. And Moses said to the Lord. All kinds of excuses. The second mistake that now Moses makes here is he refused to go. He refuses now to obey the call of God. First he refuses. First he, you know, uh, first he wants to go. That's his first mistake. But he goes before his time. Now when he's qualified, now when God says, okay, Moses, go. Now he says, no. How ironic, huh? How, how funny. First, he, yeah, I'm a, now, after he figures out the cost, after he's been in the desert about 40 years, he's, man, this thing is not all that I thought it was going to be. I don't think so, man. Look at Pastor Steve's life. <laughs> uh, he might have a car, but look at all the stuff that he has to go through. I don't know about that. Ah. There's only one Pastor Steve. No, there's not. There should be all kinds of us. Because all of you have a call of God upon your life. Mine might be the pulpit, but yours, you have a call. Uh, and you're going to want to fall into these same mistakes that Moses made. See, Moses, like none other, understood the power and the potential of Egypt, where God had called him to go. Thus, my friend, he says in, in chapters 3, verse 11 of Exodus, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? He saw the greatness of Pharaoh and said, man, I, I can't do that. What can one man do to all the drug addicts in this planet? What can one person do? Uh, to all the young people, all these hip-hop people, they're all of the sound generation. What can one life do? Oh, I can do a lot. Otherwise, God wouldn't have birthed you. Otherwise, God wouldn't have birthed you again. Hallelujah. And the Spirit as well. How can one person affect the world in such a way? See, Moses now developed a grasshopper mentality. He got settled. He got comfortable where he was at now. You know, in the Sinai. There, he liked it there in the desert, in the wilderness. It is good for me to be here. Uh, he developed a grasshopper mentality. So many uh, people acquire this very same attitude, as Veto was talking about, attitude, because that's what Christianity is. A lot of people develop that attitude. But what are these among so many? Goliath is too big. Grasshopper mentality. Moses is not alone in this mistake. His tribe is forever increasing. As we look at the greatness of our difficulties, and as our own insufficiencies, we say, man, what can one person do? I can't do that. Man, no, 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 I, I don't know about this thing now. Uh, so while Moses' first mistake uh, was to go too soon before he was qualified, his second mistake was the total opposite. The complete total opposite. 
where Moses refuses to go, once God believes, he can do it. He says, Moses, now you're ready. I believe you can do it. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. See, Moses gives a number of excuses, uh, three of which I read to you. Who am I? They won't believe me. I'm not eloquent. And in 4.13, he says, the fourth excuse, send somebody else. Forget about it. Don't even ask me. Don't even pray on it, God. Uh, Because I ain't going. Read my hips. It wasn't aquí para, aquí se sienta. Uh, in other words, in Spanish, let me say, in Spanish, the, 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 the cholos have a saying, aquí para. In other words, here I am, I'm standing, I'm not going to go nowhere. Uh, but he wasn't saying that. He was saying, here I sit, and I'll do some more. <laughs> uh, I'm going nowhere. Uh, see, irregardless, Moses was refusing to go. And his actions, or lack of action, should I say, are not the mistake of ministers and missionaries alone. No. We all have a call from the Lord to fulfill. And we also can refuse to obey God. All of you have your call. We all need to be together to do what God has called us to do here in this church. All of us. We've got to put our, you know, our, our gifts together in order to do what God has called us to do. And when you don't do what you're supposed to do, wow, it sets us back. The third mistake, and we'll be quickly here. The third mistake of Moses is found in Numbers chapter 20, verses 10 and 11. Numbers chapter 20. Verses 10 and 11. Turn to it, please. Numbers 10, 20, beginning in verse 10. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, <laughs> you people that I love and I'll die for. <laughs> what did he call them? Hijo mano. Huh? <laughs> Can you imagine if your pastor called you a rebel? Because he was a pastor, he was a shepherd, he was the main guy. And he, you're a rebel, you don't want to tithe, you don't care about this building. <laughs> oh, pray for me, they don't get like that. That's what he did. Hijo. Be nice, Steve, be nice. Uh, <laughs> Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock two times, twice with his staff. Water gushed out of the community and their livestock, livestock drank. See, this is where Moses lost his patience. And he refused to give the glory to God. That was mistake number three. Okay. He loses his patience with the people. And that can happen a lot of times. Man. What's wrong over here? Man. Uh, Tim, I told you I want to use two organs. And I want the timbales. Oh my God, you're being obedient. I got mad at you for nothing. Uh, and the worship team. I'm just kidding. You match yellow. That's nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's all right. <laughs> uh, see, because of this, Moses was severely punished. Listen to me, leaders. Those of you who the ministry, man, you be, you be careful when you get out of line. Uh, and you, you deal with the people and you get on their case all the time. Moses was severely punished for that. It was, actually was a big time sin. That he committed. See, this mistake kept Moses from entering the promised land. Uh, see, here many have asked as to why Moses was punished so severely. People have asked, how come, they, how come God didn't allow him to go in there? Well, let me tell you what the Bible says, why, why this happened. Uh, see, the severe punishment of Moses was due to the fact, my friend, that 
God found it necessary to, to punish this individual to prove a point. To get his point across to people. The point being that God will not tolerate sin and disobedience. Uh, he, he won't tolerate it. And we need to get that, that point across from God to our lives. Especially at the early stages of Israel's life as a nation. They were just coming out of the bondage. In other words, there was a foundation going to be set. And when you're going to lay a foundation in the beginning, God don't fool around. Remember Ananias and Sapphira when the early church began? This was the early stages of the Jewish nation, of the Hebrew nation. Uh, so God said, no, he had to lay down the law. He had to set a precedent. You get out of line, this is going to happen to you. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira. They said, oh, we're going we're to give, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But they held back. And you know what happened there in, with Ananias and Sapphira? What happened? Struck dead. Uh, because they, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Disobedience. When you're first going to begin a ministry, when you're first going to begin, you know, an organization or whatever, you got to lay a good foundation. There has to be a good structure. That's what God was doing here. Uh, he was laying, see, judgment on Ananias and Sapphira caused fear to be created among the early church. And it also, my friend, enabled them to realize how God views such disobedience as he did with Moses. God doesn't tolerate disobedience like that, especially in the beginning. You get out of line. I mean, we're going to talk about parenting, the parenting class. And our three children, they're not bad. I guess that's why they picked us. But they know. You get out of line, you're mine. And you and the belt belong together <laughs> for all eternity. Uh, you got to set the precedent. I mean, really, I'm not kidding. When it goes to parenting, those of you that have babies, whack them. I mean, not babies, not babies, but when they start getting up there. Once they start forming and not conforming in a roundabout way, uh, the Bible says, hit them because it's not going to kill them. Spare the rod, spoil the child. But I, I see some, I mean, my wife and I are very aware of parenting stuff. And we see people, even in ministry, they spoil their kids, they spoil their kids. I've told you before, Sevan has not spoiled. Ah, uh, he, he, he knows my kids are not spoiled. We're going to go to L.A. Dad, can I have some money? Yeah, here's $3. <laughs> uh, he's not dead. He's skinny. <laughs> All right, I'll put the 350 <laughs> Get half a jumbo jack, you know, <laughs> extra. But you, you, I see that so many times with people. They spoil their children. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't discipline them. God says in the beginning, in the beginning, of something. You got you to start off correctly. You got to start off right. Uh, and, we, and we need to understand that. And that's, that was a mistake that Moses made over here. Um, see, especially with people who are involved in leadership, who we can lose patience with people underneath us. That was this third mistake of Moses is so easy for us and you and I to fall into. And again, especially if you're involved in leadership. Moses had done, you know, so much for the people. Even my friend, uh, you know, he, he'd given so much of himself to them. Yet they were actually, you know, uh, the Bible says they're a bunch of ingrates. They, were, they had a heart of ingratitude towards Moses. And he'd given his all for their lives. They murmured and they griped for nearly everything. Ah, you preached too long today. Ah. Ah. So Moses, my friend, he took his thoughts to another level. Ah, and it cost him. Understand what I said here. Moses took his thoughts to another level where they became actions. Ah, you, you rebels! 
He took it to the wrong level. Uh, he lost his patience. And it cost him dearly. See, so often we as leaders can take on the very same attitude. Uh, and then the enemy can cause us to take that attitude and put it into bad actions, just as Moses did. In Christian service, the Bible instructs us to add to our virtue patience. Slow to anger. Uh, in a sense, I'll, I'll be very frank and honest with you. I, this is one of my fortunes, I think. Because my wife can tell you I used to be one angry man. <laughs> You're out of line, Josie. I didn't have a baby at that time, so I used Josie. Setting the stage right away. Uh, come on, are you going to marry me? You're going to be married to me? Uh, turn around. Give me the belt. I'm just kidding. Uh, I learned, man. No, no, no. No, you, you, you're angry and you're going to have to pay the cost. Suffer the consequences. Be cool. Zip, lip. I have a sermon called Lip from the Hip Can Sink Your Ship. When you say things you shouldn't have said, you got to be careful. Uh, so when we see that the meekest of men, listen to this, the meekest of men that ever lived, Moses, that he loses his top, that he loses his temper, then there should be reason for us to worry a little bit as well. In other words, if a guy like that can lose his temper, wow, how much more us? See, church, these mistakes of Moses, they were recorded not to bring Moses down, but they were recorded not to harm him, but to warn us. Do you understand what I said? To warn us. If the meekest man on this planet can, can rank it, then you and I can follow suit as well. Now, in closing, let's contrast here how Jesus dealt with these very same issues and how he was able to pass them correctly. Number one, Jesus waited until he was baptized by John the Baptist before he fully entered ministry and service. In the Gospels, we find Christ usually saying, my time has not yet come. See, Jesus didn't get ahead of his time. He waited for the right timing of God. You and I got to wait for the right timing, being involved in, in the things of God. Uh, when the time, the Bible says, when the fullness of time had come, Christ did what he was supposed to do. Even when he ascends into heaven, he tells his disciples, wait at Jerusalem until you're endued with power on high, until the time comes. Uh, don't jump into ministry right away. Don't leave the home right away. Be careful. Do it right. Uh, Bible says Jesus was obedient even unto death. He obeyed God. He stayed in God's timetable. See, Jesus did not go until he was sent. Uh, but when he finally did get sent, dealing with mistake number two, he went without hesitation. He did what he was supposed to do. Now he was ready. Uh, and he went forward, regardless of the, the struggles and the difficulties that lay before him. Christ did not shun or shy away from his responsibilities and his duties. He said, my meat is to do the will of the Father and to finish the course. He said, I'm going to go do what I got to do. It's my timing. He waited for God's timing. He, made the, he didn't make the mistake of Moses. Then when he went, he went and he did things correctly. He faced his cross and he didn't run. Then in contrast to Moses' third mistake, Jesus never lost patience. Jesus was super mistreated. Uh, and even his close friends, his disciples abandoned him. Yet he continued to love them. And he never lost patience with them. He was denied. He was betrayed. Falsely accused. And, and eventually crucified. Yet he says, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. Thus, my friend, we see the contrast of both men. Moses and Christ. Christ was perfection. Moses was very mistake prone. Yet, the Bible depicts Moses 
as one of the greatest men that ever lived. Church, that should radiate hope in our lives. Why? Because if Moses can, uh, if God can use Moses, a man with mistake prone, then he can able, he's able to use you and I. Failures, mistakes, mishaps, mess ups, warts, and all. He'll use us. Let me finish with this. James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Let me close with this. James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. That's good news for us. He's going to use a guy like him. Mess ups, mishaps, mistakes and all. Then he can use us. James, the fifth chapter, the 17th verse. Do you have it? Elijah was a man just like you and I and Moses. Like passion, the King James translation says. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. This is an open and shut case of God using like passion people. That is a very profound statement. I'll tell you why. I think so. Open and shut case because Elijah, who was like pastor, just like you and I, was able to shut the heavens through his ministry of prayer, his call that he had for prayer. Then he was able to shut, open up the heavens through his prayer, through his prayer life. That's why it's an open and shut case that God will use anybody like passion. You and I, mistake prone and all. Sins that we commit, failures that we commit, mistakes that we commit, God still uses us. I remember my wife and I having discussions of how could God use that guy? How could God? God can. Uh, the key is no to get right and ask God to forgive you. Get right with God, stay there with God, but, but God will use your life. Don't look down on yourself. Man, God can never use somebody like me. Yes, He can. He used Elijah, He used Moses, He uses me. Ah. Uh, and he wants to use you. Um, that's, that's the awesome call of God upon a person's life, which are beyond repentance. Uh, so listen, my friend, don't look down upon yourself. Just do here. What, wait for God's timing to be used of God. Then once you find it, when God sends you, then go. Don't be afraid. Uh, once he sends you. We can't be falling into these mistakes of Moses. Uh, as he did. Jesus was able to overcome them. So can you and I. Then like Moses, don't lose patience. Be, be cool. Uh, let just, just, just persevere. Stay on. Steer the course. I want every head bowed and every eye closed, please. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, Spirit of God, moving and ministering. Simple message, but man, I pray you got the picture. The poses of Moses.